Hi everyone, and thanks for coming back a day early. Today's special is on Solo, a Star Wars story. As always, you don't have to watch the movie in order to listen to the episode, but we always recommend it as we will not be straying away from spoilers. There is a major spoiler at the end of today's episode, so we will make sure to warn you later before we drop it. In honor of Star Wars Day, May the 4th, today's episode is going to be dedicated to a bit of a nerd out on how this movie fits into the overall Star Wars universe. So let's get rolling. I'm your host, Audrey. And I'm your co-host, Cherie. So sit back, relax, and please don't silence your phone while we check your cinematic pulse. You're going, you're going first with first impressions? I'm going to ask you. Oh, no. Wait, we're, we're not going to start on first impressions? Yeah, that's exactly what we're starting on. Okay. <laughs> and you're going to go first. Okay. Well, I'm going... because well, You have my, things to say. My first impression isn't going to be the love story. Okay, hold on. Everyone. <laughs> Star Wars for us is two different realms of like. Like, you really like Star Wars, and I just like Star Wars. I'm a casual fan. You're a fan, and then there's super fans. I feel like right. there's three tiers. I'm a medium fan, which actually happened very recently, mm-hmm. by the way. I was not always, like, a Star Wars nerd. That happened within, like, the past year. And for, for me, I, I it's been a part of my life because my brother loves Star Wars. So I grew up watching the movies with him. Mm-hmm. And I especially had love the prequels, the, the, <laughs> the ones everyone hates. Those are my favorites because those are the ones I watched as a kid. Those are the ones I saw in theaters. Although now people have a chance to hate something more than the prequels. They hate the sequels. Yeah. I mean, everyone only likes the... The originals. I mean, obviously. I think those are fine. Uh, They're great. They're fine. They're fine. Again, I'm a casual Star Wars fan. It is what it is. I I don't know all these planets. I don't know all these people. You're going to say... That's fair. You're going to say people and places that mean I'm not going to know what they are. Up until like the last year, I did not either. So that's completely fair. It's impressive, your knowledge. (laughs) Thank you. learning all this in a year. Again, I I reiterate, I am like a medium fan at this point. There's like you, me, and then people like maybe your brother Mm -hmm. and definitely my brother. My Mm -hmm. brother is like the kind of nerd that gets irritated at me when I get stuff wrong. You know, he's like a, that's not an A-T-A-T. Okay, that's an A-T-A-C-T. It's completely different. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um. But, okay, my first impression of this movie is all right. Right. It was okay. It was a movie. Here's the thing. I like that that's your first impression because this movie got very widely panned mm-hmm. uh, because it was coming on the heels of Rogue One. And Rogue One, I feel like, is was the first, like, super accessible Star Wars movie to a lot of people, you didn't have to have a lot of excess Star Wars world knowledge right? to appreciate it. It was a standalone feature film. And everybody that I've talked to that likes Rogue One, that's what they liked about it. Wes liked it, especially because he said it was like like the first like Star Wars like espionage movie. Reminder, Wes is your husband. Wes is my for husband. Yes. For people who are listening on episode eight and don't know who Wes is. <laughs> Actually, no, people are going to be jumping in hopefully for just the Star Wars nerd outfest. So Wes is my husband and he really liked Rogue One mm-hmm. um, because he said it was like Star Wars meets like espionage. Mm-hmm. And, and you and I, we were just like, mm. I couldn't, I got through about half the film and it's, 
the issue was I started watching with my brother while he he never hanging out mm-hmm. and he left and I was like <laughs> you're like so I'm done and then if he comes back you're like oh no I wanted to wait to finish it with you that's what he's gonna think <laughs> no I I'll probably watch it again but I was just like I couldn't get into the story at the time it could be it's it's kind of like this film where it's like had you not made me watch it, it was not going to be on my list. Like, had, initially when I saw it, I was like, oh, Donald Glover's in it. I'm going to watch yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Donald Glover, Amelia <laughs> Clark. And I was Great. like, yeah, I'm going to watch that. And then I didn't. And then I didn't. That's how I felt about it, too. I was like, I saw, like, a trailer for it in theaters or something. And I was like, Amelia Clark in a Star Wars movie? Odd casting choice. Donald Glover in portrayal of early Billy D. Williams? Absolutely. That, honestly, he his character and Han Solo were the only two in this film that I new mm-hmm. and i was like okay is it enough for me to want to see this movie if there's only two characters in this movie i want to see or and or like for this kind of movie i'd say sure yeah. because it is not it's, it's another standalone film it has references and it has tie-ins to the rest of the star wars universe but mostly it's a standalone fun hero origin story movie right. you could watch the rest of the star wars universe never watch this movie and not be really missing anything The only thing, the major tie-in from this movie is that it explains Han's line in A New Hope of, you're looking at the guy who made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. Mm -hmm. That is this adventure. Right. uh, Which we see that his character has obviously been continuously bragging just a little little bit more over time of how fast he did that run. (laughs) Um, But... That's okay. Hamster, I was going to say... My hamster just fell off the wheel. <laughs> I was going to say, overall, I gave this movie like a six and a half out of ten. It was... It's it's fun. It's fun to watch. I especially mm-hmm. loved all the... Um, I especially loved all the, like, chase scenes. All the action parts. I really the enjoyed. action parts were really good. I thought they did a it great job really with cool. those. Mm-hmm. I, those were easily the most fun part of this film for me. I loved all those. Um, I loved... Especially the set designs and set dressings. Those were all really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Costuming was great. Yeah, costuming was and great. And all the acting was great. Mm-hmm. All the acting was great. It's I thought just, the casting was done really, really well. For me, it's not a movie I'm going to go out of my way to watch again. No, but it was good. You watched it because I asked you to. And then and we were going to do this podcast. Right. Later, but and Which funny, though, because I watched it because Will asked me to. Mm-hmm. My brother, Will is my brother. And, and after last summer of him getting me into, he was like, you need to watch The Clone Wars. You need to watch The Clone Wars. You need to watch The Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And I was like. That's I don't want to watch the Clone Wars. That's actually one of my brother's favorite shows. It's also Clone Wars. After watching it, and Clone Wars is long. It is a long-running show. It had six seasons, then got canceled, then was off the air for several years, and then got a final seventh season mm-hmm. that also then resulted in a spinoff show, The Bad Batch, mm-hmm. which is excellent. Bad Batch is fantastic. Um, and I was very hesitant to watch the Clone Wars because I'm like, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, mm, it's a kid's show. It's animated. It's computer animated. It's a kid's show. And I'll say this until the day I die, because we're going to be doing an animated movie very soon, aren't we? Yes, we are. Animation is so underappreciated because really you are is. only limited by your imagination exactly. and the technology you can use to animate. Exactly. Animation can be used in so many ways and go so far, and we do not give it enough credit. Yes. Or use it enough, in my opinion. Which, and that's, that's why I eventually was like you know what fine i'll watch the clone wars out of the like the three shows my brother was recommending for me to watch i picked clone wars because i was like "Mm, i already like star wars and then i reminded myself you know what i love avatar the last airbender as a tv show Mm -hmm. 
fantastic show which you definitely need to watch at I some started point it. you started it mm-hmm. awesome i think i did make you watch like the first couple of episodes we, we watched like the first five or six together yeah well they're quick they're like 20 minute little snippets of episodes That's and sweet. um and i reminded myself you know what i love the last airbender fantastic show and it's a it's an animated show that is ultimately geared towards a younger audience i wouldn't say fully kids show like it's not like oswald or anything right. well think of just anime in general right. like anime i don't know when i was a kid was just starting to get popular here in the world right we all made fun and of like now Naruto. it's a standard like they're so i obviously love anime right i have many friends who love anime, like the big ones like tag on titan my hair academia demon slayer all these are like really big right now there's yeah. others i haven't mentioned like Jujutsu Kaisen, huge right now, mm-hmm. huge. But like, it's animated. They're all animated. Yep, and they are staples in our everyday watch now. Mm-hmm. It's a medium of it's a medium of art, but it does not necessarily restrict your content. Exactly. Yeah. So you can have animated stuff that's kids stuff. You can have animated stuff that is in like middle of the road, like middle school ish, and then you can have definitely like adult themed right and clone wars is somewhere between i think you know preteen and even i think it i mean it's preteen and and it's more of a casual watch i think for just star wars fans like yes they're gonna star wars fans are gonna take in anything that they can get that (laughs) that is a drug (laughs) yes uh as long as it's well done because Mm -hmm. there's definitely some stuff that we're just like "Uh uh-uh nope that was bad we deny that that exists yeah Mm -hmm. there's definitely some things that we're just like "Mm -mm, no we don't we reject that from the star wars universe and there's things that we desperately want to be brought back into the star wars universe after all of the the star wars legends decanonization and everything so so yeah after getting into clone wars it really fleshed out the star wars universe for me Mm -hmm. um and, like, I wasn't, like, an avid Clone Wars watcher either. Like, I would kind of keep it on in the background. I My brother would say, like, okay, this is a really important storyline. You have to pay attention to this one. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay. So there'd be, like, a four-episode story arc where I was like, oh, that was some really important content. Right. And Thinking so it was, it was a good, right. And then you have filler stuff you can skip if you want to and you don't lose out on anything. And so I really enjoyed it because it was, like, a casual thing, but it was a casual watch that, like I said, really flushed out the Star Wars universe mm-hmm. for me and then made it so seeing other extra star wars content um outside of the trilogies was more enjoyable mm. for me i was like you know what i can enjoy something like this so then i watched solo and i was able to appreciate its content a little bit more as now somebody who is a, an elevated star wars fan okay so ooh, i really need just a t-shirt that says okay comma so <laughs> um one one casting thing I will talk about, because we can't not talk about it in prefacing this movie, is the casting of Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. Uh, will didn't really preface anything to me going into this movie, and so I just went into Alden Ehrenreich just blank slate. I had seen him once before. Uh, my brother had to remind me where I had seen him because he really hasn't been in anything. He was in a very, very, very early episode of Supernatural, like season one Supernatural. He's in the episode with the Wendigo or Wendigo. I don't actually know how to pronounce that. I don't either. Um, <laughs> they pronounce it Wendigo in the show, but that's, that means nothing. Um, but he's in that episode. He plays the younger brother of like the the female character whose brother they're trying to go find who's been taken by the Wendigo. Um, so that was the only thing that I'd seen him in before was just that one random episode of Supernatural. And in going back this like fourth or fifth time that I've now watched this movie, his acting style does kind of remind me of Jared Padalecki. Okay. In Supernatural. It really kind of does. But more so than that, I really thought, and I want to get your opinion on this, I really thought he kind of nailed being Harrison Ford. I was 
he nailed it in the first five minutes of the movie, which is the most important chunk that you need to act like the person that you're trying to portray. He really had some major mannerisms down. He had some head tilts. He had the smile and the grinning and the overall like like vibe of Harrison Ford, especially Harrison Ford in early in the in the original trilogy. First five minutes, I very much got like a, wow, he put some effort into trying to nail Harrison Ford's mannerisms. And then after the initial five minutes, I felt like the actor was then able to kind of relax and go into a little bit more of his acting style after we were able to kind of accept him as the character. But I really felt like given the absolutely enormous shoes the kid had to fill, I felt like he did a really good job. Now you're going to be disappointed in my answer. That's okay. You are entitled to your opinion. It's not that I didn't think he did well. Okay. I just don't know because I don't pay attention. I don't. Han Solo (laughs) is not my favorite character. I don't. Man, people are really gonna hate it. I don't. I I didn't like Han Solo as a character. I. I, (laughs) He's fine, but I just was like, he's he's fine. That's okay. As long as you don't hate him. I didn't pay attention. It'd be different if someone was like, pay attention to someone trying to be Anakin Skywalker. Mm. I'd pay attention to that. Which, I mean, like, so, well, we have have Matt Lantern voicing him in the Clone Wars. But, like, think about it. We don't really see that a lot. I mean, we had Donald Glover being young Lando Calrissian, Mm -hmm. but Lando wasn't, like, a huge character. He was a side character, and he was more, like fun comedic relief almost and so there weren't as big of shoes to fill as you had with Han freaking Solo I will say though I think they did a great job of nailing the look yeah he looked very much like a young Harrison Ford he really did they even um added like the way he moved and the way he held his guns and things Mm -hmm. like that they did great hand on the belt and everything he had a lot of mannerisms down that I really appreciated what I enjoyed most about Alden was the fact that he wasn't a big name and he was coming into Mm -hmm. and it fits because he came in being a a relative unknown. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense to the character because at this point, he doesn't really have a story. Mm-hmm. So this is his origin story. Right. And it's an origin story more so even for the actor as well. Yeah. You're coming in and stepping into one of the biggest characters in movie history. Yeah. yeah in absolutely. movie history. Everyone yeah. knows Han Solo, even if you haven't watched right. Star Wars. Like, you hear Han Solo, Han Solo you're like, is. I think that's a Star Wars character. Right. Either that or like that's how Yoda. every female dresses in the fall. uh i can't make too much fun because i definitely have a puffy vest and a pair of ugg boots and it happens but like it's it's a name you know right Han solo may not be my favorite character but alden did a great job portraying Mm -hmm. and as as you said you know i could the smile is the one i noticed the most yeah didn't he get that grin down he definitely got down he had the harrison ford grin down i just i was very impressed with how how much effort and how much care he put into Mm -hmm. trying to portray this actor especially within that first five minutes of the movie because that's where you're going to get your impression of the character and you're either going to accept him as as han solo or you're not Mm-hmm. and and I was like it was it was enough that even me being a little bit skeptical going into this movie I was like yeah okay okay right I'll take and it for me I went into it not caring I was like eh, who cares sure he mm-hmm. did great and I guess for me it was easier to not be bothered if he did or didn't pick up on his manners because I was like it's Han Solo mm-hmm. eh, he's mm-hmm. fine yeah he's fine yeah so I thought It'd I be thought one he did thing a great if someone job. was trying to like if they weren't Ewan McGregor doing Obi Wan like if someone did not get that down then I'd be pissed. Yeah, that's why we just bring Obi Wan is McGregor. my number one. <laughs> that's why we just bring back Ewan because you can't, you can't, you just can't because he's the, he's the only person. Um, what is his name? James Isaac Taylor, I think, 
is who voices him in the Clone Wars. Mm. And I w- I'll have to show you some some clips of Clone Wars later because uh, when Will sat me down to listen or to watch that show and I heard the character of Obi-Wan speak, I was like, you're telling me that's not Ewan McGregor voicing that character. Those actors are underappreciated. That voice actor did a phenomenal job. Absolutely phenomenal job. Every time I'm like, I forget that's not Ewan. I forget because he's that good. Mm-hmm. So that's the only person. But he looks nothing like Ewan McGregor. He can't play him in a real life thing. <laughs> Animated voiceovers only. <laughs> um, so want to jump into a little bit of the, the nerd out fest. And I know you definitely had some questions. We watched this together and I told you to just write your questions down so that I could answer them during the podcast. Um, so this movie for, for people, more casual viewers, takes place about... It was like 13 to 10 years before the Battle of Yavin. Um, for people who, I know, I look, I'm looking at your face and I wrote this down because I know, because I'm like, what the heck is the Battle of Yavin? That is how time is measured in, time. well, not exclusively, but that is how time is often measured and kept track of in the Star Wars universe. Um, Battles. Since production especially happens out of order, um, what that means is this movie takes place starting at 13 years before the events of A New Hope. So the first movie in the original trilogy where Luke Skywalker how helps. How old is Luke Skywalker in that movie? In A New Hope? Mm-hmm. I think he's about 18 to 20-ish. Okay. Um, because, you know, his character is talking about, like, wanting to go off to college, essentially, and how all of his friends have already left. And Uncle Owen is like, nope, I need you here to work on the farm. This farm made mm-hmm. of sand and dirt. <laughs> We gotta hey, grow some stuff on Don't this judge sand. the sand farm. <laughs> so um <laughs> So that's when this movie takes place. That's when when you hear it's it's abbreviated BBY before the Battle of Yavin. Mm. Um and that's BB. when this movie takes place is thirteen to ten years because there's a, a three year time jump. So ultimately ten years before the first Death Star gets destroyed by Luke Skywalker. So given that Luke is like 18-ish in the events of a new hope. Um, wherever Luke Skywalker is, because we don't really see him, he's about, what, eventually, what was he, like, 11 years old? Sure. Yeah, he's about 11 years old Mm -hmm. in this. Um. By the end of it? By the end of it, because the movie starts 13 years before the Battle of Yavin. Hope, or Han Solo enlists in the Imperial Navy, and then spends three years, uh, in... Uh, the Empire's forces. He gets demoted to the infantry, but he spends three years as a soldier and then deserts with Tobias Beckett. Mm-hmm. So it takes the whole the whole movie takes place over the course of about three years. Okay. Um. So yeah, that's why it's thirteen to ten years before Yavin, before the Death Star. Um. So what were some of the questions that came up when we were watching the movie together? Like, how do I even have questions about something I don't understand? <laughs> I know, but see, that's the thing is like, you're, you're like, okay, I am not as familiar with this universe. So you're going to want to stop and ask questions. Um, and I know like one of the first ones where you're like, is this based on a book? Yeah. And is this based on a book? As far like, as I know. I do know there are books. I, I, I there are books. Read Star Wars books. So I never mm-hmm. knew like, obviously the first batch of movies was all from George Lucas's mind. Right. Those are just. And then books came later. Mm-hmm. They got decanonized after uh the acquisition of lucasfilm by disney um mixed feelings about that some of them are not continuous they don't exactly make sense with the rest of the star wars universe so i can understand wanting to start fresh but it also decanonizes a lot of really important information um 
So mixed feelings about that. But this one, no. This was just pieced together with little bits of information that we get about Han Solo through the original trilogy, little things that he said about what his dad used to do, what he used to do, that he used to fly for the Empire. Um, the phrase, you're looking at the guy who made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. Um, so it was really just kind of pieced together from little bits of Han Solo's character throughout the original trilogy. Um, and then there was actually a novelization of this movie that did come afterwards mm. and was released and had some extra content in it, which I will talk about later. Um, so no, not based off a movie or no, I'm sorry, not based off of a book. It was just based off of stuff that we pulled together from the various movies. I do have one question. Mm -hmm. Can you give a one minute summation of this film in the least confusing terms <laughs> possible? So people like, even if you're just like, people know Han Solo and everyone knows who Chewbacca is. Right. Can you tell this story and give like a little bit of a summation of the whole thing so when i ask you about certain things it could be like ah oh, they're talking about this moment maybe yes ultimately and i kind of wrote this little synopsis that ultimately this movie is really just about seeing an early version of han solo and how he came to be the character that we see in a new hope he's just a charming rogue who puts himself first because he's now learned the hard way when he was young that you can't trust anyone but underneath he's still a good person who has an itch to want to do the right thing and who has a soft spot for romance and furry creatures <laughs> but not in that way <laughs> <laughs> ma'am Chewie's his bestie so to answer your initial question essentially summation of the movie is we see young Han Solo who we're inferred is supposed to be a runaway mm -hmm. um growing up on the streets of Corellia he manages he's like Aladdin he's, he's like street, Aladdin he's, he's a street, street rat, rat. mm-hmm He's a street Jinx, rat. Jinx, me a Coke. Oh. Now you can't speak ever again. Just kidding. Well, how are we going to do this podcast? Continue. I'll allow it. <laughs> we're going to have to do video only and I'll just write all of my answers <laughs> on a whiteboard. <laughs> um, so young Han Solo growing up on the streets of Corellia, he manages to get out by joining the Imperial Navy. Um, he eventually deserts the Imperial Navy and joins up with a, a crew of thieves um, who work for Crimson Dawn, which is a, a crime syndicate. And You're doing excellent. Yes. So he manages to get out essentially from under the crime syndicate, learning some hard lessons along the way, but making a lifelong friend in Chewbacca. Um, and best managing character. <laughs> best ever. character ever. Uh, and How they get Chewbacca right and Jar Jar Binks just so wrong. <laughs> That's a whole different story. We don't even, we're not even going to touch Jar Jar Binks. We don't talk about Jar Jar. Oh, we don't talk about Jar Jar Sith theory either because that's bananas. That's interesting. No. It's dumb is what it is. We don't give that theory There's any no credence. There's no way. No, it's stupid. If you watch the movies, it's dumb. <laughs> um, anyway, so making a lifelong friend along the way and also finding out the origins of the acquisition of his famous ship, the Millennium Falcon. Mm -hmm. So we see a young, naive vastly in love character learn some hard lessons and learn not to trust people and to have to put himself first but ultimately when he started he was a character who wanted to do the right thing all the time got bit a couple of times in order to learn that lesson that you can't always do that and help people every right. single time you want to do that right so 
that's the gist of this movie. It's a fun hero origin story. Right. That's exactly what it is. It's an origin story. It's a fun hero origin story, which is why I liked it. Was it was it did not try to be too much. It did not try to be like we're going to add this massive glorious chapter to the Star Wars universe. I, that's exactly what I was going to say is I actually enjoyed that it wasn't just I'm glad it wasn't so massive in the Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. That it's like, oh, we're gonna throw in all these plot lines that people aren't gonna know. And we're gonna just add to the story and make. We're gonna just retcon everything. No, mm-hmm. I'm glad it was just a film. Yeah, it was just a film. It was just fun, and it had some little sprinklings in there from the rest of the Star Wars universe. Um, there were a couple of things uh, for that I that I personally really enjoyed, like when Han. You want me to tell you the one thing I didn't like? In a minute. <laughs> no, I don't want that. But yes, you can. The one thing I I wouldn't say I didn't like, but it was just. Wait, wait, was it a sprinkling in of of relation to the rest of the Star Wars universe? Oh, it wasn't that? Okay. No, it's strictly film. Oh, okay. Um, what I was going to say was the the things that I enjoyed were the little references to the rest of the Star Wars universe. For instance, when Han is playing Sabacc against Lando, mm-hmm. he claims to fly a VCX-100. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned Star Wars Rebels earlier. The ship Ghost that the crew flies in Star Wars Rebels is a VCX-100. Okay. So it was just a little reference a little to sprinkling. the show of Star Wars Rebels, which was really good. My my brother watched it once, didn't like it, and then we watched it because we just desperately wanted more Star Wars content. So he watched it a second time, and he's like, oh, that was way better the second time I watched it. And I really enjoyed it. It was different from Clone Wars, but it was still fun. Mm-hmm. Um, other one was we um, we found out what happened to bounty hunter Aura Singh. Mm-hmm. Um, when Lando and Tobias Beckett meet, Lando shakes his hand and is like, Tobias Beckett, I owe you a thank you or whatever. You're the one who killed Aura Singh. And he says, oh, I'm pretty sure it was the fall that killed her. <laughs> I did like that. Yeah. Well, so Aura Singh is a huge character mm-hmm. in the Clone Wars. We never see her. She she wound up getting an edited cameo into The Phantom Menace. She's a she's in the audience watching Anakin's pod race. Mm-hmm. Um but she's she's a bounty hunter that we see recurring in the Clone Wars. Uh, her her notable plot points are that she teams up with young Boba Fett okay. after the death of his father, and he's kind of at the knee of whom he learned to be like a bounty hunter was under Aura Singh. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of became like a horrible stepmother to him, mm-hmm. um, and then she also tried to assassinate Padme Amidala. Um, so those are a couple of her big major plot points. She also teamed up briefly with another bounty hunter we've seen, Cad Bane, um, somebody who's in the Mandalorian TV show. Got it. Um, so we've Which, seen- Just so you guys know, we almost did the Mandalorian. We that was going to take a long time. did the Mandalorian, but it was just like, I have, there's so much excess Star Wars knowledge floating around in my brain that and there's just, it was going to take a long time. Maybe maybe a series eventually. We'll get to that. We'll get to it eventually. I've heard good things. Yeah. So there were just little things like that that referenced like, hey, the writers are actually plugged into the Star Wars universe and and wanting to try to do it justice instead of just making this like a, a freewheeling free for all. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what was the one thing that you didn't like? You're gonna hate me because I say not, this a lot about a lot. I won't oh, hate I, you. It's the same for Batman. I don't like romance. Oh. 
And I think it's because I just already know the established relationship that's going to come. Well, can I say, though, that your your initial assessment of what you thought was going to happen to Amelia Clark's character of Kira was wrong. Right. Which was she, cool. Yeah, you had me pause it. I was it. glad to be wrong for once. She did. She had me pause it and... I said, she's going to die. <laughs> she's going to die, isn't she? And I looked at you and I said, no, actually. You know who did die? All the characters I liked. Everyone else. Every character I liked died. Poor Rio. L3 is my faves. Oh, L3. I was not a huge fan of L3. Loved her. Uh, but I did like Rio. Rio was voiced by um, John Favreau, mm. who's a, a bit of a Star Wars nerd himself, obviously, as he's uh, one of the directors for Mandalorian. Um, he actually has a much older um, involvement in the Star Wars universe than a lot of people realize. Um, John Favreau voiced a character in The Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. Years and years and years ago, he voiced Pre Vizsla, which is a member of Death Watch. And he's a, he's a Mandalorian warrior. Um, and he's a member of Death Watch, so he's kind of a terrorist. Um, mm -hmm. but, but he had like a, just a sprinkling in of, of roles as the voice of Pre Vizsla in The Clone Wars. And then he later then reprised that role in the form of one of Pre Vizsla's descendants for The Mandalorian. And he plays... Paz Vizsla, that big hulking dude with a heavy gun. But I guess, like, for me, the romance, it was fine. I just, I think I'd rather have just seen his origin story as it was. I'd rather have her just been a companion. Mm-hmm. But well, it makes sense. It's like, you know, you said he he's a man who loves romance. It's mm -hmm. like, he's got a fine. soft spot for romance. And, and I think that's it's what fine. it was for. I think his relationship with Kira was to, just supposed to explain why he's such a softy in that aspect that he does have a soft spot for being romantically involved with someone. was his reason to do what he did for so long. Yeah. And then... Well, it was his first love, you know? Right. It was the girl he grew up with on Corellia. And obviously it's not, un, you know, unrealistic to have multiple loves in your life. But yeah, absolutely. But I... For origin stories, I'm always like, oh, does it have to be a romance aspect? Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, like, it sounds like I don't like romance. <laughs> Cherie, <laughs> Heart of Stone. I really do enjoy romance, but I was just like, I for me, I was just really expecting a Han Solo story. Mm -hmm. The romance was fine, but I, it's something that was. I won't. I don't want to say it was shoehorned in, but I felt like at times it was shoehorned in. I felt like it was more of a plot device it than very, it was yes. a character device. It was more explanatory about mm -hmm. a character's nature. I I didn't mind it as much as the the film went on, especially the end and mm -hmm. when things happened. And yeah, you know. mm -hmm. there was a bit of a the surprise ending with her character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I again, it was a plot device. His relationship with her more so than it was supposed to be. I was more for writing. the bromance between him and, <laughs> and Chewie. Yes, absolutely. My, I, my favorite part was when Chewie's like watching her sit in that scene. He's like, click, 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 click. <laughs> so the buttons, he's like, I should right. be in this seat right now. Mm -hmm. Just sits Me. in the back like, why am I sitting in the back seat? And Han's like, just making doe eyes at Amelia Clark. And Chewie's like, like, I could use a co-pilot. <laughs> Chewie's like, I am the co-pilot. <laughs> No. Get out my seat. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm sorry to everyone. I cannot do Wookiee noises. I can't either. I just tried. I've tried. <laughs> was that what that was? All right. Dead elephant sounds? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. Was it that? Listen, you don't need to laugh that hard. I'm laughing because I didn't even realize that that was what you were trying to do. Everyone don't listen to that part. Don't ever repeat it. Don't send it to You're me. You're not allowed to edit it out. I'm not. I'm <laughs> Hope everyone has a good laugh of that. Oh, that was great. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. That's going to live in my brain rent free. Um, that is what I try to do every episode. Make I you did. Laugh at least, <laughs> at least one. That was it. You knocked it out of the park. Um, 
<laughs> I did. I mean, talking about the bromance, though, I did really like um, the, the story of how they meet. What's crazy is I didn't realize that that's like, when he came, I was like, oh. You're like, oh, wait a minute. You're like, that's not just a Wookiee. That's our Wookiee. That's well, I didn't even know it was going to be a Wookiee. I know. I didn't realize that. And then he comes out, I'm like, oh, it's the homie. Right? I Chewbacca. thought that maybe he was going to get, um, oh my gosh, why can't I never think of what these stupid creatures are called? Give me a second. I got to do some Googling. Because I know what this stupid creature is called. It's the one that's in Jabba the Hutt's pit. And I, Rancor. There we go. I didn't have to Google it. It just came back to me when I started thinking about Jabba the Hutt. I thought he was going to be attached to like a Rancor, mm -hmm. which is the creature, like I said, it's the creature that's in that pit that Jabba the Hutt drops people into and that Luke kills in the original trilogy. I have a question. Okay, I why, have an answer. Why were they wrangling up Wookiees? What were they doing? So they only had one. It was just Chewbacca. But like he was trying to save his tribe, his family. Yes. So um, if you Chewbacca remember- Chewbacca was everyone. He was right, trying to. If you remember during Order 66, um, during Revenge of the Sith, when all of the clones turn on everyone- Yoda is on Kashyyyk at the time with Chewie mm -hmm. um, and all of the clones suddenly turn on them. Kashyyyk is where, where all of the Wookiees are from. Got that's it. the planet that all the Wookiees are from. So that's where Yoda is. But he's with Chewbacca actually and they're on Kashyyyk and then all the clones turn on them. And so the Empire also massively overwhelms the Wookiee population by surprise and, and then imprisons them. Ah. And a lot of them wind up working on the spice mines of Kessel. Uh, so that's that's where Chewie was trying to get back to, was his family, and later we find out that they were imprisoned on the spice mines of Kessel. I believe, so I I, I believe that Sagwa's his, supposed to be his wife. Aww. I know. Sagwa. <laughs> that's exactly what I thought, and I hope somebody else does too. Uh, we both did. Um, so, oh, other gentle sprinkling to the star wars universe um is that when han tells beckett at the end of the movie what he wants his plan to be and how he wants to help enfys nest um tobias is like you know what i'm not in for this um i'm out you can find me on tatooine which is the planet that luke is from mm -hmm. um and he says what's on tatooine he says there's a big gangster there putting together a crew should sounds like good work or whatever uh well Jabba the Hutt is the gangster who predominantly reigns on Tatooine. He's the daimyo of Tatooine. I have something funny to say. Okay. When I was not that funny. Okay. As a kid, instead of saying Jabba the Hutt, mm -hmm. I always said Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt? <laughs> I don't know what. He is a gangster. I always so. would say the Hutt, like Pizza Hut. <laughs> oh, 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 there was that dumb Star Wars song. Um, My something, favorite. Something and a Jabba the Hutt. My favorite piece of extra media surrounding Star Wars is that Jimmy Fallon thing. What? Jimmy Fallon? We, I sent it to you. <gasps> no, the, the original one From that we've MTV secretly music, always like the, been flippy, 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 lava, right. lava, lava. For, no, for people to understand that reference, it's from Jimmy Fallon like years ago. Yeah, you're, it's from like middle like school. Like 20 years ago or something like that. Yeah. Hosted the MTV Movie Awards. And, and and he did was a scene from from Revenge of the Sith. He literally is was dressed this, up mm -hmm. as Anakin Skywalker during Revenge of the Sith, and it's the showdown between him and Obi Wan. The, the showdown end. between him and Obi Wan, and he's literally cut perfectly mm -hmm. himself into the original scenes and splice it into the original scenes. It's and, wonderful. And poor Padme is going, Anakin, you're breaking my heart. 
<laughs> he goes, no, I killed at younglings. You weren't, you weren't listening. Oh my gosh. The amount of quotes that come from that short. I just, I want everyone to go watch it and appreciate it because my. you got barbecue sauce on my bathrobe. You have done that yourself. <laughs> when I tell you my brother and I used to quote that for years, <laughs> for years. Us and just too. suddenly I remembered it like a year ago and I was like, I think I texted you something and I referenced something about like, and I was like, <laughs> how do you know this? And how did you make my brain remember this? just exists somewhere in the recesses of your mind as Jimmy Fallon. Now I go back and watch it like every couple months. It's it's just so good. I know. A Sith, a Sith, a Sith, a Sith. 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 (laughs) A pretty bad lipstick out there. Oh man. Oh my gosh. It's so good. Everyone go YouTube it. Like pause what you're, pause what you're, pause us. Go watch that thing on YouTube so you can know why we're cracking up. Uh, So yeah, back to, I was, I was talking about the reference of, of Jabba the Hutt and, Mm -hmm. and Becca going to Tatooine because then, Later, uh, Han winds up taking his place and going to Tatooine instead, which would presu- presumably begin the long-standing relationship between Han and Jabba. Because when we when we Jabba the Hut, because when we meet him during A New Hope, he's currently majorly in debt to Jabba and has a bounty on him. So clearly, that relationship has been going on for a while and suddenly mm-hmm. gone sour. Mm-hmm. So I liked that. It was done better than <laughs> than in The Hobbit. Did you watch the the whole Hobbit trilogy? The only part of those movies I know because I couldn't get past the frame rate. Oh, we've talked about couldn't this. Watch them for I the can't unsee rate. it now. I'm so sorry. I like I've I ruined like that movie for so many it, people, and I I just can't unsee it. Um, in the Hobbit trilogy, at the end of the Battle of the Five Armies, because they bring back Legolas's character, which if you read the books, it's reasonable to assume that he might have been there. He's definitely old enough to have been there, and the battle involves his father and his people. So. Reasonable, though he's not mentioned by name. Um, however, at the end of the movie, when the battle is over, his he and his dad kind of have like a little come to Jesus moment and reconcile a little. And his dad says, um, his dad literally says, there's a ranger up in the north that you should go meet. And it would have been fine if it was left there because obviously that's... Um, What's the actor's name? Viggo Mortensen. There we go. That's Viggo Mortensen's character. And, but he doesn't just leave it there. He says, the people call him Strider, but you will come to know him by another name. (laughs) I'm like, all right, you hit it way too much on the head. You just like ham fisted it in there. And it was way. Ham fisted? Yes. Ham fisted it in there. That is a word I need to add to my lexicon. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. It's, uh, it's hyphenated ham dash fisted. (laughs) I figured. (laughs) I think it's hyphenated. I might've made that up. Um, and it was just way too, way too overt. Like, okay. Like the list goes in and teams up with Aragorn. We got it. You didn't. You could have left it at just, there's a ranger you need to meet. And just let him go off into the sunset. Would have been fine. So it was done way better than that one, which is another instance where we have a prequel trilogy and a character going off to meet another character later. So I liked that one way better. I thought that was better better written. Mm -hmm. Um, But if we're going to talk about sprinklings into the Star Wars universe and how things tie in... Uh, can we talk about the ending? Can we talk about the ending? Or do you have other questions that you want to ask me before we before we get there? Let me see. Okay. Because you wrote, wow, you wrote out a lot of things. No, ASMR notebook flip. <laughs> um, are we going to talk about, can we talk about the director for a second? Are we going to save that for next time? 
I just want to say. You want to bring up Ron Howard? Yes. Yeah, Ron Howard. Was shocked when you told me. Mm-hmm. At, at first, I was shocked when you told me this was directed by Ron Howard. Yes. Because I love Ron Howard. As a matter of fact, if anyone was going to direct me to film, I'd, I mean, I say this for everyone. But I would love to work with Ron Howard because he just seems, really? like a, just seems like a really nice guy. And I like Might that. have been JJ. I like. No, 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 J.J. Abrams. He, he has a lot of action films and I like a little more. I want J.J. Abrams to direct me because I want lens flare. Lens flare. <laughs> the king of lens flare, my the God. The king of lens flare. But and shaky cam. And shaky cam. I like Ron Howard's filmmaking because it feels soft. Let Interesting. Me, let me explain. Explain. I like when he, like, I feel like he especially teams up with Tom Hanks a lot. Oh, really? And Tom Hanks, I think... I'm really not familiar with a lot of Ron Howard movies. He, man, he's done a lot with Tom Hanks. Splash, I think, was their first one together. And mm-hmm. that was, like, Tom Hanks's like, debut, mm-hmm. more so in film, I think. Um, and I feel like he directs a lot of, like, when the main character is usually somewhat of an outcast. So, a little mm-hmm. bit... Not someone of the mainstream, I feel like. So when I saw this and you I... You mean the character or the actor? The main character. Okay. Typically. So he, he likes to dress out, direct outcast movies. Like, Frost Nixon is probably my favorite movie. Like, no one's watched Frost Nixon except me. Yep. It's one of my favorite Never movies. even heard of it until it popped out your mouth just then. It's literally the interview between Frost and Nixon that went... that Where he basically said, if the president does it, it's not illegal. Oh. And that was... <laughs> that was... Well... Um, well. Pretty big at the time, but I loved that movie because the Nick or Frost, the guy who I believe is interviewing Nixon, I believe is a comedian. Oh, really? And Nixon's like, "Yeah, I'm going to do this interview with this comedian because obviously it's not going to be about all the BS I've done as a president." Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't take him serious enough. Mm-hmm. He ends up pinning him. This dude. Oh, because he's not taking the interview seriously. Right, and the interview in the interviewer mm-hmm. Frost is. It, gotcha. Again, don't call me on this. I have not watched this movie is, since high school. But I loved that film. And I love. I wanted to see it. So I always found Nixon. Movies. Yes. Nixon is on one of the most interesting presidents to me, good or bad. Um, so, like, I, I try to, like, learning his history as a president is just very fascinating to me. Oh, yeah. For sure. And then when that movie came out and I, you know, one I saw Ron Howard's director, I was like, I gotta see that film. Because mm-hmm. I just like that he always is, I feel like he always is undertaking characters that are a little out there like he did a beautiful mind he directed that mm, one okay see now i've heard of beautiful mind Duh. Great film. and mm-hmm. he's done hold on page flip hope you like asmr guys flippy flippy flip <sighs> but he did he did the grinch he did the grinch he did the grinch wait a minute the the jim carrey grinch the, jim carrey the grinch. jury duty jury duty <laughs> <laughs> yeah he did the grinch and thank you for the grinch what is he social outcast interesting so i like that his characters are like they are a little misunderstood okay in comparing like the the overall tone of like the grinch to han solo i can feel it if you watch enough of ron howard stuff i feel like you see that he i think especially cares and pays attention to the main character and making them relatable interesting i like that so when i especially if you told me that this movie was what 90 percent done producers got in like "Mm -mm, we don't like it yeah they reshot 90% 90% of the movie. No, they reshot 80% of the movie. There was a whole credit snafu because um, according to, I think it's like the Screen Actors Guild requirements or whatever, in order to get like a director's credit, you have to have, like you have to have shot 90% of the movie. And so it was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they reshot almost the entire movie once Ron Howard got brought in to direct it. Yeah, I love um, it. Which for reference, Ron Howard is actually a big Star Wars fan. Um, he was originally approached to direct The Phantom Menace. 
um, the first movie in the prequel trilogy. I wonder how different that would have been had and he, he done it. And he forever regrets not doing it. And I, I liked it. I, I, I grew up watching the original trilogy. Um, but then I was a kid, like I was, I was little older than I actually, I was probably the age that Anakin was in the Phantom Menace. And so I really, it really resonated with me because it's very much akin to like Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. It's this, this magical story of an orphan getting plucked out of obscurity, um, and getting taken care of and told that he has an amazing destiny to fulfill and being told like, hey, you're a hero, kid, and you're going to be awesome. And that's right. like every kid's dream when you're nine. And I think that's why I like the original trilogy so much, or like the mm-hmm. first three. It, I, yes, because I very much like the, the first one. It's the beginning of a story and everyone enjoys the beginnings. The second one growing up put me to sleep. Attack of the Clones <gasps> put me to sleep. I like it more that's now. I like it much more now. But at that age, it put me to sleep. And then I absolutely despised Revenge of the Sith. It was so bad. <laughs> it was not good. But now that I'm older, I can I can look past some of the bad writing and acting choices. <laughs> yeah. And because believe you me, the amount of times that I said, I hate sand. It's rough. It's coarse. It <laughs> gets everywhere. It, stop it. The amount of times that line got said in my home. <laughs> don't get me Is wrong. He I wrong? absolutely no. love Hayden Christensen. I love mm. sand. I just don't like when it gets in your bum. Right. The bum. The bum. <laughs> bum sand, not fun. Toe sand, good. Toe sand's great. Uh, Toe yeah. gets in your shoes and your socks. <laughs> okay, well, what, what you doing wearing socks on Again, the beach? Again, coarse, rough. <laughs> it gets everywhere. Uh, so once I got past some of that. What was that accent I just used? Heck if I know, man. What what was it? What did I you know. say? I was like, I don't straight here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a, like a 20s gangsta. On Tatooine. We've done this before. Though. We've done the 20s gangs. <laughs> like a buy a sundial. Oh, man. That's okay. where it popped out before. Yep. 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 <laughs> okay. Um, oh, okay. So one other. Oh, which for reference, Ron Howard, if anyone doesn't know, is Bryce Dallas Howard, the actress's father. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard, also a huge Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. Um, she's one of the directors on The Mandalorian. Um, and she's directed and written several episodes, several really good plot episodes, actually. They definitely have her feel, for sure, if you go through, like, the plot of those episodes. But she is a recurring writer and director on that series. Big Star awesome. Wars fan. Great That's director, awesome. too. Um, I love her. Yeah, I was very impressed with her directorial abilities. Um, so, and yeah. Your dad's a director. Who else are you going to learn from? But you know what? But you see, sometimes it doesn't span. Like, right. the, the generations do not connect. But how could you go wrong with someone as good as Ron Howard, in my opinion? Apparently not. Apparently you can't go wrong. She did a really great job and and uh, definitely learned from her father's abilities. Um, so one other Star Wars connection I wanted to mention that I that I liked uh, before we get to the the big major spoiler um, was Han shoots first. Uh, so slight spoiler, um, just so you know, the in the ending there's a bit of a showdown between Han and Tobias Beckett when Beckett betrays him, tries to take all the coaxium for himself. Um, and they have kind of like a standoff, like an old-fashioned Western standoff. I mean, for heaven's sake, Woody Harrelson's wearing a duster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, and instead, and you you get the sense that Harrelson's character is gonna start this monologue. Harrelson. Yeah, Harrelson's character. Oh. Yeah, Woody Harrelson's character. My brain Beckett. just stopped. <laughs> Who'd you think was, like, was it? Not Harrison. I Harrelson. My brain was like, hey, that's not his name. Harrelson. Yeah, Woody Tim. Harrelson. Yeah, yeah Woody Harrelson. Um, 
he he starts into this monologue and you get the sense of after watching a couple times you're like oh the middle of that monologue dude planned on just shooting han that was he does say don't trust anyone he does say don't I trust anyone remember when he said i was like ah okay uh-huh and, point. and unexpected and i think you actually missed it the first time i had to rewind it and make sure you saw it middle of the monologue he barely gets started and han just shoots him which was the right call because mm-hmm. then he goes to him and he he feels terrible because he was his friend and they don't been on this legit crew together and and Beckett literally says smart move kid I would have killed you mm-hmm. like you finally listened and he's like I pay, I paid attention you told Chewie never to trust anyone and people are predictable and and that is paying homage to the the adage of Han shoots first mm-hmm. um, which has a whole thing behind it. Um, because in the original, uh, you can't tell when, when Han shoots Greedo in A New Hope. No one knows what you're talking about. In A New Hope, when they first meet Han Solo in the cantina on Tatooine. Yeah, when, when Ben Skywalker, Ben Skywalker, when Ben Kenobi and, uh, and Luke Skywalker meet Han in the cantina Mm -hmm. on Tatooine, Han has a bit of a face-off with Greedo and he shoots him. And, um... So, and everybody always thought Han shot first Mm because you don't know. Um, They, in the 1997 theatrical re-release of the movie, they edited in blaster bolts and Greedo shot first. Never should have added those in. They never should have added those in. That's one of my biggest problems with George Lucas when it comes to these movies is he likes to go back in and re-add things once more technology becomes available. And it, I don't, I don't like it. It, it messes with the original flow of the movie. It's, it's, I think it's more fun to have theories. Right. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Let it us have our theories. a reason to talk about it forever. Because then fans got mad. Fans got really, really mad. And then so after that, after fans got really mad, they're like, no, Han shot first. And they then re-released it. And when did they re-release it again? I have no idea. But each subsequent like online streaming release and home DVD release has blaster bolts of them shooting at the same time. And if you watch the version that's on Disney Plus, their blaster bolts go at the same time. Boo. I don't like it. I think they should have left it alone. But this gives credence to the fan theory Han shot first because his character is the kind that knows when the situation is going to go bad and will make the tough decision to just shoot first. So, uh, last tie-in to the major Star Wars universe. And if you're going to don't want a major spoiler, get out Seriously, get out now. Go, here's the thing, go watch the entire Clone Wars show and then come back <laughs> or go watch the movie and then come back because mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about this spoiler. Um, so, <laughs> for anyone. I love your excited laugh. <laughs> That's my little excited hamster laugh. Just <laughs> It sounds like a kid about to dunk into some cake. Like for real though, this is my cake. This is my Star Wars cake. Um, so for anyone who's not watched the Clone Wars or Rebels, this was the first revelation that Darth Maul is alive. <laughs> yeah. Not a word. Not a word, ma'am. Not a word. I was so excited. I was so excited uh, because I had not watched, I don't think I had watched Clone Wars at this point. Will had me, I think it will, not, now that I'm thinking about it. Well, anyway, uh, did not know that Darth Maul was alive at first. And uh, we actually get Ray Park who portrayed Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace, reprising the that, physical that role. That was really cool. That was dope. We brought back Ray Park as Darth Maul. 
And for bigger fans, we actually got Sam Witwer, who voiced Darth Maul throughout the entire series of The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. They brought him back as the voice actor. Because that was always the plan. They didn't like Ray Park's voice. And so they actually had another actor record his lines. I think they wound up eventually getting cut. Um, and so we never actually hear him speak, but that's always been a thing is Ray Park always Imagine got dubbed over. Active, like, we don't like your voice. That happened to, um, who was that? The Night King? The Night King, I believe in, in Game of Thrones is just a stunt double. Mm. And I don't think they liked his voice for some reason. Um, I, now I can't even think of whether or not he actually speaks in Game of Thrones, but that's not the first time that that kind of thing has happened. I know. It's just odd. Um. Yeah, where somebody does awesome stunts, but voices is a no-go. Um, so they brought back Sam Witwer from Clone Wars and Rebels, which is awesome because he just has this very just slimy, angry British accent that he does for the Darth Maul character. And I was so excited mm-hmm. uh, because, so to explain, and I know I explained this to you, um, sorry (laughs) brief synopsis to explain how the heck maul is alive because this man got chopped in he was sabered in half chopped in half which we've seen this before obviously because people lose hands continuously and don't immediately bleed out in this series speaking of which real quick in case no one knew everyone in star wars loses there's at least one character in every star wars film that i believe loses an arm arm or hand yeah arm or hand Mm -hmm. and marvel pays homage to that so if you watch a marvel film yeah you watch a marvel film Someone always loses an arm. Someone always loses an arm. Someone Lose, always, always loses, loses an, an arm. arm. Yeah. Man, words are hard. <laughs> Loki done did lost an arm. Well, in an illusion. Thor the Dark World. Right. Mm-hmm. Every I, I don't I don't know if it was in every movie from the start, but I know from a certain point onward there was always someone who lost an was arm. Was it Loki or was it Thor? Who loses an arm in Dark World? Thor. Oh, that's right. Loki does the illusion. He loses for it. he loses the hand, yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, Sha, then you get the arm. <laughs> You got the arm back. Uh, so, because, okay, lightsabers cauterize the wounds that they create because they're lasers. Which, again, is, explains why people lose arms in Star Wars and don't immediately just start spurting blood, okay, by lightsaber strike. Um, which is essentially what happened to <laughs> Maul. Is That's he, one way to keep it PG-13. Which is one way to keep it PG-13. Um, that's why there's no big blood gushing when Qui-Gon Jinn gets gutted and... Isn't it funny that anytime you see a character in a battle, they just happen to have a wound suddenly on their face? There's blood, but you don't remember seeing it happen. Yeah, because face wounds are cool. That's fine. <laughs> it's just something I was thinking about in the film. I was like, you except didn't see for, the blood happen, it just is there now. Except for Anakin Skywalker's eye scar. Yikes. He just pops in with a scar for the rest of the time and we never see it. He start, His character enters the Clone Wars with an eye scar. We never see it. It doesn't get explained. <laughs> I need Anakin Skywalker's eye scar backstory, please. Um, the whole movie. The whole movie is just his, him explaining how he got that scar. Uh, so when Maul was cut in half with a lightsaber, it cauterized the wound. Um, he survived obviously because his heart and brain and lungs and everything are still intact so owie but (laughs) technically still alive (laughs) and he's saved by um mother talzin and the night sister witches of dathomir and uh he gets a cybernetic lower half this all occurs in the Clone Wars, so this is just definitely a plug for you people to go watch the Clone Wars because this is an excellent, excellent storyline with excellent voice actors. Uh, Clancy Brown 
plays a major character in the Maul storyline. Um, so after he gets saved and reassimilated by the Night Sisters, he teams up with somebody else. I almost don't want to spoil it, but he teams up with somebody else in the Clone Wars and uh, begins uh, the start of a criminal empire. Um, and so he does run Crimson Dawn, Black Sun, the Pike Syndicate. Like he's behind all of these crime syndicates. He's a mobster. He is. He's a mobster. He comes back. He renounces the title of, he renounces his Sith title of Darth Maul and just is just Maul. Um, Dope. Mm-hmm. Just Maul. His brother's names are Savage and Feral. <laughs> yeah well okay. his brother's name is savage but they stylize savage. it savage his name is French. savage oppress yeah so maul savage oppress 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 yeah mm-hmm. savage oppress is his brother's <laughs> name okay yep okay i don't like it either but it is what it is i don't hate it so- it's just so funny <laughs> guess what guys his name is savage oppress yeah they call him savage savage everyone in the room agree agree say i mm-hmm. yep motion passed his name is savage <laughs> so um we <laughs> so yeah that's that's the backstory that's that's how maul survived and has since become a, a the owner of all of these crime syndicates he actually does a takeover of the planet of mandalore um which is how it started to fall was maul took it over with his crime syndicates and everything um and and then spends the rest of his life trying to hunt down obi-wan kenobi <laughs> the man cut him in half i'd have a grudge too i uh yeah fine. i know you don't like it tell me you don't like it it's uh that cautery had to be real good yeah well you got your heart and your lungs and your brain that's all the things you need i'm saying nothing <laughs> else because i don't want to ruin it for the fans and i don't want people to hate me it's so. okay you got to remember that the survival of the character of maul does occur in a young adult show it's fine. I like Darth so, Maul, so I honestly wasn't that upset. I was just like, I think, I, I was watching, I, I was just like, mm. I think I was expecting it because I knew the character of, of Maul was alive. And I, I haven't watched all of Clone Wars, so I didn't know. Right. But I was just like, when he came through, I was like, pretty sure that man was supposed to be dead, but. He was, but here's the thing. If you look at his uh, hologram that Kira pulls up, he does have his cybernetic legs. And when he stands up, you hear this whirring. Mm-hmm. Of of his good sound effects, yeah, uh, of his servos and stuff helping him stand up, um, and he's got his new reconstructed lightsaber and everything because obviously he lost his lightsaber too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved. I mean, this is production, but I loved the the lighting of that scene. Oh, when, when he opens um, his Kira's lightsaber and then it's in her eyes. Beautiful. Oh, it was so good. It was. It had a lot of um, symbolism to it. It was. Oh, it was so good. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you get a little hint of the duel of the fates music playing in the background. I, the moment was cool. I just the moment was cool. I was just like, I'm not gonna question it. I'm not gonna question we it. We don't question. We don't question. I loved it. I like Darth Maul. So love Darth Maul. I was so okay with him coming back, and I'm really glad that he finally made it into. Uh, a live action movie especially done the way that they did especially bringing ray park back having sam Witwer voice him it really paid homage to the character in clone wars and rebels really like fan fan service character i was like right. yes absolutely right. go yeah. ahead um rap 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 okay so that concludes our special on uh star wars oh, oh wow that doesn't there we go okay my my sentence was funny <laughs> strike that reverse it okay so that concludes. Things now flipping and reverse <laughs> it. I was going with Willy Wonka. Strike that. Reverse it. No. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad we both referenced something completely different, <laughs> and it's staying in. Oh, I really don't want it to, but okay. 
that concludes our special Star Wars episode on the movie Solo. Today we mainly focused on appreciation for the Star Wars universe and our impressions of how this movie fit into that. Next week we're going to be doing a bit more normal episode and talking about the production side of things, so make sure to be back here next Friday to tune in. Cinematic Pulse is edited and produced by Cherie Jackson. The episodes and theme are written and performed by yours truly. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and you can find Cinematic Pulse on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Thank you so much for listening, because we just checked your Cinematic Pulse. Roll credits. Roll credits.